0: All right. Welcome back to the show. This is Business in the Morning, conversations around sales, marketing, innovation, and transformative leadership. I am your host, Todd Schnick, joined by my friend and colleague, Todd Youngblood. Todd, talk about innovation. This is one of those instances that frankly frustrates me greatly because I had this freaking idea years ago (laughs) and it's still in my head as an idea. Now this guy's coming built a Really cool company around it. So uh,
1: It's like so many great ideas. It, after the fact, it seems obvious, it, it's having the insight to get out in front of it. Well, <laughs> That's why it's, it's going to make it fun to talk to this gentleman.
0: And it's building it too. So we have an exciting guest today. Say hello to Nathan Golding. He's the founder and CEO of Swishu. Welcome to the show, Nathan.
2: Hey, thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on.
0: Oh, no, it's our pleasure. Thanks for making time to join us. Nathan, before we get into a conversation around Swishu and all that that implies, uh, take a few seconds and tell us a little bit about you and your background.
2: Sure, yeah. So I actually have a background in publishing. I used to be a developer for publication in New York City for about four to five years. And that's really kind of where I got my start uh, in publishing as well as in web development. And during that time, came up with the idea for Swishu, which we can get to in a minute, and decided to branch out, go up on my own and do it. So I've got a background in web development and recently been uh, working on Swishu, trying to get that off the ground.
0: We'll talk about Swishu. What is it? How is it serving the market?
2: Sure. So while I was working for this publication, they, like many other publications out there, had a print product, and they obviously had a website that they were trying to monetize. And a lot of people, and there's a lot of news stories about this this kind of thing, they basically tried to take the print model, which is subscription and advertising-based, and just sort of plugged it into the website. Uh, And as you might imagine, web is much different than print, and people are much less willing to just subscribe for something. And so I came up with this idea uh, which I thought was you know pretty innovative, and which allows readers to buy content on an a la carte basis, as opposed to forcing them to subscribe right off the bat. And so it's been running in private. Sort of covert mode for a little bit now, and uh, we're just coming out, releasing it to the public and and we've the response that we've gotten has been extraordinarily positive. So we're super, super excited about it, and we feel like it really addresses what readers really want, which is a a, a better, easier way to read the content that they're actually interested in, while at the same time giving publishers what they want, which is a way to monetize content on the web. Nathan, as one who is already a
1: subscriber to oh, several online publications, uh, this doesn't really apply to me, but I, I know an awful lot of folks who have a I don't do paid content kind of approach. Mm -hmm. I mean, how big an issue is that?
2: Sure, that's a great question. And, And that's probably the most common one that we get. And I guess I would just point back to, you know, the early days of music on the web, and everybody or everybody will probably admit that they downloaded something from Napster at some point. And iTunes came along and said, hey, listen, you can get your songs for 99 cents. And yeah, there are people that still will download music illegally, but there's a huge market for people to be able to consume content a la carte. So instead of having to buy a CD, which you may only listen to two or three songs, with iTunes, it's just easier to buy a song for 99 cents and then go and leave. We do the same thing for publishing. So instead of forcing you to subscribe for something that you may not want or ever use after today or tomorrow, we just allow you to read an article and then leave. So yes, there will people, there will be people always that you know they'll try and figure out some way not to pay 25 cents for an article. But we feel like there is a large portion of the population out there. There's a very large market for people who will say, "Listen, it's just easier for me to go through this process than it is for me to try and get it for." free somewhere else. So there is definitely that but the the paradigm has shifted very much probably in the last you know, two to three, maybe four years or so, where we come up with this idea 10 years ago and everybody says you're crazy, but this is something that is definitely shifting. And and paywalls have been a lot more successful than a lot of people like to admit. So it's definitely a paradigm that's shifting and we feel like it's definitely heading in this direction.
1: Yeah. And I can, as I think about it more, I just subscribed to the Washington Post probably two or three weeks ago. And Mm -hmm. I'm not really all that interested in subscribing to the paper. There was one article (laughs) I wanted to read. I Mm -hmm. I needed to know about you two weeks ago.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. That and that's really the, you know, there's a really important Swishu is the bridge between readers who just the occasional reader who goes to your website and says, "Hey, listen, I just want to read this article. I don't know who you are, and I may never come back to your website. And if the publisher is smart, they'll just they won't even have a paywall there. They'll just allow you to read that article for free. But if you come back ten times or twenty times in a month to give somebody the option to pay for an article that they have landed on, that's great because that allows somebody to just read that article and then on their own terms, when they come back a bunch of other times and are paying a la carte, they say, "Hey, listen, it's a better better deal for me to subscribe because I've already paid you three dollars this month and it's only $350 for a monthly subscription. I guess that's probably a better deal. So give readers what they want and they'll reward you with loyalty and a subscription later. Just don't try and force a subscription down their throat right off the bat.
0: Well, I saw yesterday that uh, I think with every 60 seconds, there are 15,000 songs downloaded on iTunes. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the, I, I think iTunes has is, is paved a nice path for, because I think it's a similar model, right? See, I, what I think, why I think this is, and Todd, this, this speaks to your question of, are people willing to do that? I think it, talk about how easy it is. Nathan, mm-hmm. because the beauty of iTunes is that I can click a button and I got a song, it's instantly downloaded. The beauty of Amazon is, you know, particularly with regards to Kindle, is that I can click one button and I have a book. I don't have to do anything else. It's there next time I open the Kindle app. Is the design of this going to be
2: as simple as say, Oh, there's an article I want to read and you just click a button and it's there? Exactly. That's exactly the thing. And a lot of time and a lot of money has has been spent on some very large publications paywalls, basically erecting a massive paywall that makes it very hard for people to jump over. Our approach is to to say, listen, the higher that you build that wall, the less conversions that you're going to get. So it takes about 10 seconds to fill out for a a new customer, about 10 seconds to fill out that form. And the content flows in immediately. You don't have to go to an offsite form. You don't have to, there's no pop-ups. The content just flows right in very, very naturally. It's very clear what you're getting. There isn't any expectation that you're going to have to fill out you know, your name, your address, what kind of car you drive, what your social security number is, anything like that. It's just the content right then and there. And we found that, and this is just for you know off the street people, higher click-through rates than you get on for advertising is the number of people that will actually convert, pull out their credit card and actually pay. It's actually higher than advertising click-through rates, uh, which is extraordinarily positive in terms of you know the, the potential success of this. But also, because we recognize who readers are, when they come back, roughly 25% of people will come back in the same month and buy additional content, uh, and of those people, about 10% of them will upsell themselves into something more than just an article. So the, the potential here for publishers is huge, and obviously readers enjoy using it, and the conversion rates have been supporting that.
1: I'm thinking about your business model, Nathan, and scratching my head a bit because I think I see a, a chicken and egg kind of situation. If I'm a publisher, I might not want to sign up with Swishu unless I know all the readers out there are going to use Swishu. And then from the from the other side of the the other side of the spectrum, if, if I'm a reader, I, I still all the publishers, I have to have all the readers and
2: all the publishers before the model works. <laughs>
1: Tell me where I'm wrong.
2: <laughs> sure. Yeah. Uh, well, well, I think that the uh, there, there's a couple of couple of things in play here. You know, there, there are a lot of publishers that have been going out there and doing this themselves and, you know, there's probably hundreds if not thousands already. Some name brand and some not so name brand that are doing a paywall of some sort and most of them will will offer a, you know, subscription only approach which obviously we feel that the really the real way to success is through that a la carte bridge using Swishu. But, you know, I think this reinforces the uh, success of the model which is that, you know, there are ways to make this work for readers and publishers and Swishu is developing a, a platform that is going to give them more analy- a- analytics and more insight into their readership and not uh, force them to do something that they don't want to do as opposed to what they could try and build on their own so it's a better faster cheaper option for publishers to do that and, and for readers I think again you know go to a go to a site and you see something like swishu you know that that's a something that we really want to be build a consistent easy to use interface that they come to recognize and trust I think is extremely important
0: one final point for clarification before the break Nathan I just want to be sure I understand so if you you get an account with Swishoo, this does not mean you can access, go behind a paywall for every site that does that, right? Does does the publisher itself, using Todd's example, the Washington Post, do they mm-hmm. have to go into an agreement with you and, and make their content
2: available to SwissU? Exactly. So we actually are going out there and going to publishers and saying, hey, listen, use our software to monetize content that you wouldn't normally otherwise be able to do. We don't offer a way to get around publishers' paywalls yet, but presumably once we get more publishers signed up, that will give you the ability to uh, access that content on a much easier better way and then we have an iphone app and things like that to support that Ooh, iphone app cool
0: all right we'll be back with nathan goulding after this short
2: commercial break
1: when they google will you be there your prospects and customers are not just searching they're scouring the internet getting themselves through as much as 80 percent of their buying process before they have any interest whatever in talking to you No strong online presence? You don't even get to compete. To establish and grow that online presence, you need an eREP, a digital extension of yourself. And that's where Dreamland Interactive comes in. Whether it's establishing your eREP for the first time, making it more visible to the search engines, or doing the really challenging work of harvesting great content, Dreamland Interactive eREP processes and tools can help. Learn more about how Dreamland Interactive can shorten your cell cycle at dreamlandinteractive.com.
0: All right, and we're back with Nathan Goulding, founder and CEO of Swishoo.
1: Nathan, I've got a, an electronic document that's probably seven or eight pages long where I keep track of all my user IDs and passwords for Who knows how many websites? (laughs) And I'm just thinking, is there some kind of a subscription management function inside Swishu? Because I may have, you know, 15 or 20 or 100 different subscriptions, you know, and some are a la carte and some are monthly and some are annual. Do you help me keep track of all that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So that's really one of the key things about Swisher that's really important, especially for readers, is that we're not just selling publishers' software that they can plug into their website. This is a hosted uh, SaaS solution that plugs in and you're able to use a single login across publishers' websites. So instead of having to register with you know, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, you have one single account to access all of that. And that flows, like I said before, this actually flows into your iPhone app, onto your desktop, so you're able to access content in a single location and filtering and printing options available. So there's one login. It's not like you have to create accounts for every single publisher that we sign up. One account able to access all the content that you want. Nathan, what is the price structure on this? Uh, Is there
0: a fixed rate? Is each article 50 cents? Is it a dollar? Does it depend? The Washington Post may be able to ask for more than, say, some newspaper in in Montana. I don't know. Uh, Someone may be willing to pay more for a Malcolm Gladwell article than they will one from me. Does the publisher and or the, the creator of the content have some flexibility in determining the price? Yeah,
2: we leave that hundred percent up to the publishers. So they have the ability to configure that on a per article basis. Obviously, there are defaults, so they don't have to go in there and do this every single time. And that really is going to tie pretty much directly into the price of their subscription. And, and it really kind of flows naturally from you know the bulk discount. So if you buy an annual subscription, your cost per article, if you did the math, and of course nobody does, but you know the cost per article, if you're talking about maybe a, you know twenty dollars a year subscription, and there's five hundred articles that that gets you access to, you know you're going to have a pretty small amount, you know, a few cents per article that you're going to be paying for. If you buy an issue that might, you know, up to, you know, eight or 10 cents per article, if you look at it that way. So in that scenario, you know, an article just a la carte might be, you know, 20 to 25 cents. And that sort of flows naturally, again, in terms of, you know, that that curve going down, the more articles that you commit to the lower cost per article that you're going to have there. But again, it depends, you know, we have publishers that will that have subscriptions at $100 a month and obviously their articles are going to be, you know, in the $2 to $10 range. If you have a subscription that's going to be $20 a year, then you're talking about, you know, 15 to 25 cents per article. So, we leave it up to the publisher, of course. They can determine the value of their their content. We like to think that, you know, again looking at iTunes sort of paving the way ahead of us that, you know, a song that you download or pay 99 cents for, you may listen to 10 times, 100 times maybe. And so your cost to consume that content, you know, might be anywhere from a dollar if you listen to it once down to one cent if you listen to it 99 times. But with an article on the web you're probably never going to come back and read that article. So you're probably going to not going to be as willing to pay 99 cents for a 500 to 1500 word article on a web that you may at some point come back to a couple of years from now. But that's why we are talking to publishers and saying, hey, listen, doesn't you can't just charge 99 cents because that's what iTunes is charging. You know, you have to think about from the reader's perspective, the cost to consume that content, are they going to come back and read it again? What what really makes sense for the reader? And so looking at it from the perspective of what their subscription is, that's when we recommend, hey listen, you know, take that bulk discount, reduce a little bit, and, and that comes up with what that pricing structure is. So 100% up to the publisher based on roughly what their subscription pricing is.
0: Nathan, should we assume then that switch revenue generation is you get a cut
2: of that, of that fee? It is, yeah. So we have a couple of different options there. Our most basic one and the one that people have uh, accepted the most has been the revenue share model. So it's very simple. We only make money when you make money. And again, because we're monetizing a new bulk of your readership that you wouldn't normally be able to get at because of the a la carte option that we offer. That's why we can go in and say, hey, listen, we only make money when you make money. We do have some other options available for larger publishers, but that's the most simple one. And, and a lot of people have liked that because, again, they don't have to feel like there's any sort of upfront cost where they have to pay you know five or $10,000 to get access to it or some a monthly $1,000 platform fee, something like that. It's a, it's very simple. We make money when publishers make money.
1: When RSS first came out, Nathan, I thought it was, you know, the greatest invention of the century, Put putting everything <laughs> I wanted to read all in one place. You know, with the death of Google Reader, you know, I kind of think RSS is going to go by the wayside. Is SWISHU, does it integrate with, with an RSS reader? Is it a replacement for it? How do those two play together? Or do they? <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, it's actually a little bit of both. Everything that comes into SwishU is available via a common API. So the iPhone app, our website, they all talk to the common API. And the API allows you to, as a reader, say, give me all of my articles. And we're dealing in a JSON, a JSON, which is uh, different than XML, which is what most RSS readers use. but it's pretty much the same thing. So you ping our API, you get back a list of JSON articles, and then that includes the images, the authors, the title, the body of the content. And, and and obviously, as you might imagine, is an ad-free format. So... Once you get access to a subscription or once you buy an article, that content is effectively yours and you're able to get access to it. So it sort of is a little bit of both in that, yes, you can, if you wanted to, plug that directly into a reader. You could use the iPhone app. You could read it off uh, on your desktop. But it's more personalized just for you because that's the content that you subscribe to.
0: Nathan uh, by founding this company you've in part answered this question but I,
2: I, I'm just curious to
0: get your take on on the broader bigger future of media and content I mean everybody hears the same drumbeat every day oh there's so much noise there's so much this I, I, I kind of feel like a technology like this begins to help you call that that a little bit and give you a little bit more control over the over the right content that you want to consume I, Todd, I don't know how you feel but I kind of feel this is the longer term play and, and how content's going to be distributed and consumed. Nathan, speak to where content and media
2: goes from here. Absolutely. And that's a really great question and, and one that I've uh, spent a lot of time thinking about. And I think that it's really important to, when the web first came out and everything was free, and again, you know, as an advertising based approach, 100%. You know, you could not charge for anything online. And that has slowly changed. And, and again, you know, with the advent of blogs and Twitter and Facebook and everything else that you can imagine there. You know, there really was a sense for, you know, several years that content really didn't have any value. And that's why you couldn't charge for it. And that's why you had to put up banner ads. And that really isn't true. And I think that that really is something that we're coming back to. And that is a trend that will continue in this direction is that there really is, you know, real content, good content, long form journalism, and even short (laughs) uh, form journalism, but that's, you know, quality breaking news. Those are all things that really do have real value to people. And people are willing to pay for that. And I think that you're, you know, when you're talking about premium access to, you know, breaking news from, writers or journalists that you really trust things like that you know content really has value and i think that we've uh, you know for some time kind of lost that but that again that's really coming back to that And i think that you know the the fact that publishers have to put up the paywalls but they also have actually been successful in some way is actually really good because it speaks to what's sort of the truth of the matter which is that again real content good content has real value to readers and and readers are willing to do that so and i i think that that you know a lot of the blogs that are out there a lot of you know the Twitter breaking news, which is often wrong, <laughs> and and even on television, I think that there really is, again, and there will always be a market for quality journalism. And, and I think that that's not something, I mean, I'm not really worried about the future of that because that a lot of the stuff uh, that we saw in the early 2000s uh, is starting to go away where you know, there are, again, consolidation of those blogs into, you know, these are the really quality ones with reporting that you can trust and that you can rely on. And again, that's something that I think that we'll continue to see uh, in that direction. In terms of the overall direction of this, I think that uh, I'm pretty bullish on it. And again, you know, for print everyone you know waves their hands in the air and says that says that it's going away, which it is, but I don't think that 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 necessarily means that publications are are going away, that just publications in general or, or newspapers are going away in general, they're not. And again, the content that they produce really does have real value.
1: And Nathan, I'm curious about another aspect of your business model or, or I guess more accurately the the architecture of the system. I've seen lots of products, services and and particularly pieces of software that work great on one scale. And then as the thing grows and gets bigger and bigger, it falls apart. So at scale, you know, if there's X users, everything's great. At 10X users, things get creaky. At 100X, the whole thing blows up. (laughs) Is that an issue or or how have you addressed to, to design the system to avoid that kind of a problem?
2: That's a great question. I've really spent a lot of time thinking about this and it's really important to me to grow the business organically. And I think that there's, because when you're dealing with readers on the web, they're very fickle and anything that goes wrong, they're going to immediately <laughs> throw you out and say, no, this is horrible. This is a terrible idea. I'd rather do something else other than what you're trying to do right now. So it's extremely important, extremely important that we maintain the reader's trust. And a large part of that is growing organically to say, yes, at some point, it would be awesome to have you know 10 or 100 or 1,000 or 10,000 times the number of publishers and readers that we do today. But if we did that tomorrow, things would blow up. <laughs> And that's that's something that, you know, making sure that people who experience our platform have a great experience so that they can then go tell their friends, hey, listen, I had an experience that wasn't bad. I had a really good experience, actually. You should go check it out. And that's something that's extraordinarily important to our reputation, to our brand, and I think to the overall success of these things in general, because we've certainly seen a lot of people try this and fail at it because that experience isn't controlled and managed and the expectations are not managed. And I think that, again, that's really, really important for us.
0: Uh, Well, Nathan, uh, I hate to say it, but we're running low on time. One final question. Is the Wall Street Journal going to be in on this? Because I want to get access to Peggy Noonan's (laughs) stuff.
2: (laughs) I I hope so. Very, very soon. We're actively going out there selling, trying to sign up as many publishers as as we can.
0: Outstanding. All right. Well, Nathan, uh, before we let you go, how can people get in touch with you
2: and where can people learn more about Swiss Best place to learn about Swishu is on our website, swishu.com. I can always be reached personally at ngoulding at swishu.com. That's Nathan Goulding, ngoulding at swishu.com. Or you can call me at 917-880-5371. would love to hear from you.
0: Nathan Goulding, founder and CEO of Swishu. Nathan, it was great to have you. Thanks for stopping by and
2: joining. Thanks so much, Todd.
0: All right. Well, that wraps this episode. On behalf of our guest, Nathan Goulding, my co-host, Todd Youngblood. I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you soon on Business in the Morning.